a civilised early afternoon recording. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode um, 291 wow. of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly. This week I'm joined by English Dan. Hello and welcome to my living room. Around to his living room table we're enjoying a convivial afternoon mate because we're also joined by Julian. Welcome back, Julian. Hi. Uh, Julian has to be off to the Bombonera later yeah. on to cover the Boca game, uh, which is why we're recording a little earlier than normal this week. Um, I'm going to begin the week by, not by reading out results, but by thanking a bunch of people who are already aware, some of you will be becoming aware for the first time as I'm saying this, that the Patreon page for Hand of Pod, the long-touted Patreon page that was supposed to go up in January but that I kept putting off for various reasons, um, is now live. You can become a supporter of Hand of Pod. The people who have done so, so far, I'm I'm not going to do this every week, but uh, I want to say thank you to them early on now. Um, ah, William Tanner, Stephen Foley, Nate Kubeta, Jamie Ralph, Juanito Jones, Joel Santos, or possibly Joel Santos, Liam Kelly, Tom Robinson, Gavin Haverty, and Christopher Gopel. Thank you very much to all of you for your support. There is only one reward tier up at... Well, there are two reward tiers up at the moment, but one of them is a bit silly and one that I've just put up there in case anyone's daft enough to buy. Um, the only reward tier up at the moment is a $5 per month one for which you get an extra episode of Hand of Pod, about 10 or 15 minutes of me talking you through the weekend's main talking points. We might record a little bit extra um, for those people at the end of this session as well, possibly, um, which is available via the Patreon page, not via SoundCloud. So if you've already uh, paid for this, or if you're going to now and then you want to know where to hear it, log into your Patreon account and you should be able to access it there. Um, There will be another tier going up uh, for a tiny little bit more money involving some sort of social media chatting, um, possibly the odd bit of Facebook living or, um, I don't know, I might write a couple of previews of big matches at the weekend or something like that and make them available to people on Patreon. Um, You're not going to start webcamming, are you, Sam? Um, Well, I don't know about webcamming, but maybe if it can be audio. Possibly. If, 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 it's, if it's on the webcam, then in the summer months, I'm going to have to have a shirt on or something, aren't I, while I do it, which is... Um, I don't well, it depends what kind of webcam you want to set up. Yeah. Well, so yeah, okay. no, no, if, if you really want to throw money at me, <laughs> then, um, you know, I'm, I'm your, your baby, as it were. Um, but, yeah, thank you very much to those who've supported already. Please tell your friends. Please, if you haven't supported, um, check out Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash hand of pod and consider donating you don't have to give five dollars by the way Uh, you can give less if you want to you just won't get that um lovely extra episode if you are listening to the extra episodes already then i hope that you enjoy them please feel free to tweet or uh email me feedback um about how i can improve them and and you know whether you want to uh contribute by sending questions or anything like that and now we shall get on with the matter at hand which is the proper 291st episode of the whole podcast the results from the weekend just gone were as follows argentinos juniors Beat Olimpo 1-0 in Villa General Mitre. I'm going to continue saying it, Julian, after you corrected me on Twitter. You shouldn't. Corrected me incorrectly. (laughs) 
Estudiantes uh, lost 1-0 to Belgrano in... Was that in La Plata? Before I say something really wrong? Uh, Estudiantes Belgrano... Or Quilmes? No, in La Plata. In, uh, in Estudiantes home stadium, whichever one it was anyway, in La Plata. Uh, San Mar- well, no, not Estudiantes home stadium, if that was it, it was the, the Unico. Um, San Martin versus Lanús ended 1-1 in um, San Juan. Tempele and Vélez Sarsfield fought out a six-goal thriller. That one finished 4-2 to Vélez. Tacheres beat Gimnasia 2-0 in Córdoba. Godoy Cruz had only themselves to blame after... Uh, I was going to say losing. It felt like a loss, probably. Uh, after drawing 1-1 away to Banfield. San Lorenzo beat Chacarita Juniors 1-0 in one of the most pedestrian performances we've seen even by San Lorenzo standards this season. And there's been a few. There have. Uh, Tigre lost 2-0 at home to Huracan in the 11 o'clock match on Sunday. So finally we have an 11 o'clock Sunday kickoff that didn't involve loads and loads and loads of goals. Uh, Racing beat Rosario Central 2-0 in the Chacho Codec Clásico. Atletico Tucumán versus Union ended goalless. Arsenal lost 3-0 at home to River Plate's reserve team. Boca Juniors beat Newell's Old Boys 3-1. And then on Monday evening, Colón 4, Patronato 0. And in the Ariel Olan Clásico, Independiente 0, Defensa y Justicia 1. It was one of the more surprising results of the weekend. The big news from this week, given that relegation was already all confirmed last weekend, um, is obviously that Boca haven't yet won the title, but do finally appear to have put it beyond all doubt, really, because they're now six points clear, thanks to Godoy Cruz only drawing with Banfield, um, and there are only three matches, so only nine points to play for. Um, Boca against Newell's, guys, what did you make of it? What was that game? Pavon Masterclass? Yeah, Pavon was far and away the best player in the park. He carried Boca, really. Yeah, he was unstoppable, really. Uh, Both Boca players and Newell players uh, said after the game that he was... Even for his standards, which maybe is best player in the league right now, uh, Lautaro maybe, but uh, on in the title race for sure, uh, he had a really great game. They couldn't stop him. He basically first goal was a solo run that he passed it backwards to Wanchope, who scored from the inside the yeah yeah. Just the the edge of the six yard box. Wasn't yeah. It? It was, yeah. And he scored the third one when the game was still in doubt, and beyond that there was absolutely no nothing to do for Newell. Uh, but uh, he was in doubt uh, in the build up to the match, but suddenly played and run like he always does, and didn't seem to have any issue whatsoever. And he's starting tonight, so mm. seems very fine. It's amazing how how much Pavon's come on really since maybe the middle of last year, and even possibly sort of this year, because I remember. Hearing quite a few Boca fans, even at the start of 2018, saying, "Ah, oh, this kid's so annoying. He like just runs down. He's got a bucket on his head." Like I, I think Ross saying it as well a few times. Yeah, as recently as six months ago. No, but I think that still applies. He still runs like he's still running. He has only he has run over everybody, and you just can't say anything about that. He's just gonna run and run and run and run in the bucket, so you can see a little bit now. And maybe he's. He's finishing his chances and passing, I don't know, decently. And that's that's the difference. Many are saying that that game could have been the final thing that he needed to be in the, the squad for the World Cup. I think he will be, mm. regardless. But uh, 
That game could also have been a little bit different if after about two minutes Sebastian Pérez had seen red for a horrific tackle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't um, very good, was it? He's um, apparently a vegan, Sebastian Pérez, but he... Yeah, that that veganism, Sebastian Perez veganism is... Really? To, yeah. yeah. That's surprising. He decided when he was coming back from this injury, he decided to uh, adopt an Which all for the Argentinian world um, football media fans and everything like, wow. was... He, yeah. He could have loved that foot and he would have been seen in better lens than <laughs> when he said... I'm a vegan. Yeah. They say, no, he has no strength. He can't play because he's maybe, a vegan. <laughs> maybe this is why he's so angry constantly at the moment. Because he really seemed to have calmed down and be not getting quite as many bookings as before. Mm. Before is it? And that's Pablo Perez. We're talking about the uh, Colombian. Oh, right? I'm getting yeah. mixed up. Of course I am. Sorry, yes. Now that guy, <laughs> You're yes. talking about Sebastián. Yeah, that makes much more sense. Sorry, yeah. No, yeah, he, he turned vegan and people were like, no, he turned <laughs> vegan. And I think he just said, no, I lose my right foot. That's okay. You can still go on playing. <laughs> um, talking of... of Boca's midfield, we've we just discussed one half of it, because it was a, well, sort of one half of the deep midfield, at least, in the 4-2-3-1. Um, last week, we were discussing the fact that Wilmar Barrios' injury um, against, oh, God, remind me, who, who was it last week? Independiente. <laughs> Thank you. Um, looked like it could have been, you know, potentially damaging for Boca's hopes, in that they didn't really have a direct replacement. The replacement for him in that role um, was Naitan Nandes, who has played a little bit more of a box-to-box role for Boca and generally done it pretty well since breaking into the team this, this year, this season, sorry. Um, what did we think of him in, in that sort of deeper, slightly more controlled role? He played the first half as a deeper, I mean a deeper role in the two-man midfield with Perez, but uh, Boca didn't have much of the ball in the first half. And Guillermo Rosacleto switched him with uh, Reynoso for the second half. Hmm. So the, the two-man midfield for the second half was uh, Reynoso and Sebastián Pérez and Boca improved and put the game away. Yeah. Reynoso played a great dynamic. game. I thought they were... The, the first half was, was really weird because, I mean, we already know that Newells aren't a particularly good team, um, particularly in midfield. They're, they're, they're but they took the ball away. to overrun, but they, they did... Quite well. Yeah, after well, a, a jumps, sort of iffy yeah, ten minutes or so. They had ten. They played their way into it. Ten bad minutes from the yeah. uh, first goal to the second one. I think it took nine minutes from one goal to the other. Yeah, let me but just they twenty six minutes for the first and thirty seven, so eleven yeah, minutes. Yeah. They got one back just after uh, the second one, and mm. they they played that good half. And they don't have well, weight at forward. They have no forwards really. Given given the, played, given the manner that. Um, Hector Fertoli's goal for Newells came in. Can we see Sebastian, uh, Sebastian uh, Santiago Bergini getting a place in the national team squad for Russia, maybe? Mm. Watch this place. Sunderland fans will not be surprised at all to hear that it was his fault. Um, just passed it straight to, I can't remember which Newells midfielder who then gave the ball to Fertoli who banged it into the net. Um, you can do any worse than Fasio yesterday, I'm guessing. No. To defend him a little bit. That's a very good point. And he can do as bad as he likes because Boca has really no replacement for him. Yeah. They have two centre backs and no one, no one else. Mm. Three because of goals. Uh, goals is injured, but uh, they have two. Well, so that's why he's playing. Isn't he's it? playing tonight. Yeah. Um, and he'll play against Gimnasia. There's, there's no one else for it. So really, now we're at a point where only Boca can. can Boca are the only team who can beat themselves, as it were, in the title race, if you like. And a lot of that is down to Godoy Cruz, who played, I think, possibly the worst half of football that they have put in all season. Um, 
in the first half away to Banfield. Yeah. They started the second half. I mean, they, they went in at half time quite lucky to, to still be level nil nil. Um, and then started the second half really slowly as well and conceded a goal from Enzo Kalinski from a, an, under a free kick. He, he headed it in. Um, and then they started to, to put it around a little bit and, and play it. And the last 10 minutes was like they'd been playing for 70 or 80 minutes and most of their other matches. I thought it was they were coming up Banfield like a train, really trying to get the win. And Santiago Garcia saw a shot cleared off the line, which Paul Fernandez, funnily enough, a former Boca player, then put narrowly wide with a tricky angle um, on the follow-up shot. Nah, he should have put it in, really. He probably yeah. should. But, uh, I, I think he was caught between either squaring it back in for Garcia yeah, or shooting himself. I think himself, it wasn't and as it seemed at the at first sight. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. Um, and Garcia, it was hit far too hard for Garcia to get to in, in fairness to him. But I mean, Garcia, I thought, didn't get enough on the initial shot. He, he should have put and a bit more power It's been a theme him. throughout the whole Superliga. Boca has been the, mm. the leader for the entirety of the tournament. And 100 day, days today, right? Yeah. Um, I don't think it get, gets enough credit for that because. Uh, I mean, no, it's quite an achievement, really. It's an achievement, but uh, everyone's saying, no, the, the league is not that good, the rivals are not that good. But it's been a theme. Everyone who has a chance to catch or put up some pressure, the game they have to win, they go on and lose it. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, I thought we said on say, okay, uh, I mean, the, the, the opponents Boca are beating aren't that great, but it takes some mental strength there as well, and that's the sort of thing that Godoy Cruz... And Guillermo said something to the, to the like, yeah, after beating Tacheres, somebody reminded him, you won the game, and he said, for us the game is every three, three days, yeah. and he's right, Boca's been playing every game to keep the lead, to extend the lead. Yeah, it's like we said on the podcast several times, like, leads are won by consistency. And cons- Boca are the only team that have shown consistency. You know, if you're talking a long season, well, it's a long season that isn't that much longer than a short season, but... Um, yeah, and in between... A 27, yeah, a 27-game season, the team that wins the most games is going to is going to end up champion and the other teams have just yeah dropped stupid points San Lorenzo have dropped very stupid points Gode Cruz the I would say away to Banfield's an easy game but they had the chances to win it they didn't play as well as they should Tacheres mm. had a chance to challenge and yeah. went to Boca and lost they yeah, just haven't been able to sustain it and then at the top Boca has just been same for Independiente it faltered and then they won at versus Boca but they had no chance really then was a no pressure game. Yeah, no. River have only started winning now that they've got nothing to play for almost in the league apart from sort of many. Well, kind of. yeah, exactly. Continental qualification, possibly, as, as we'll discuss in a minute. But I mean, you mentioned San Lorenzo, one nil at home to Chacarita. I, Mariano hasn't been able to make any recordings recently, but I, I think I know what he'd be saying if he was here. I mean, because <laughs> because I read his tweets every week. Uh, He's an angry young young fellow. How? How is Claudio Biaggio still in that job? I suppose because they're winning games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because they're actually losing matches. They won many games when he first got there. Mm. Uh, They didn't play well. Many of the wins they got, they didn't deserve. I guess Chacarita had a one-one-nil win, but uh, it could. It was. It wasn't that bad. As many of the other games were, I think. It, it, I mean, it wasn't, but it was also, it, as I say, it was against Chacarita. So yeah, you yeah. would have thought that this might be one game at least where some of them will be able to step up and control the match and put in something a bit, you know, a bit more stylish or at least a bit more with a little bit of swagger. And they don't really just, know what their style is. They have no. But that's the really thing. Have a style. The, the, when the he took over, they didn't have a style. They needed points, and they sat back and 
got a few wins and that's been their style and it doesn't suit their players also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they went from Pablo Guede who wanted to play with about two at the back and eight forwards and Aguirre who was a lot more yeah. pragmatic and then they got into Piaggio. But even with Aguirre they had a team that performed and people didn't really like, but San Lorenzo's fans weren't really into Aguirre's team mm-hmm. all that much. No, that was, I remember commenting on how peculiar that seemed at the time as you know we were all neutrals relatively speaking San Lorenzo wise and um, yeah and not really being able to work out why exactly he was so unpopular with the fans um, the positions have we gone through all of the front runners now oh Tacheres won again but I think they're a bit too far behind now um, yes the positions therefore are Boca Juniors are first with 53 points Godoy Cruz in second with 47 San Lorenzo are third with 46 Tacheres are fourth with 44, and filling in the Copa Libertadores spots, uh, Huracan with 43 points in fifth place. But it's only those top four, Boca, Godoy Cruz, San Lorenzo and Tacheres, who mathematically can still win the title. Because nine points separate Tacheres from Boca. So for Tacheres to win the title, in case you're wondering how it was decided, it would require Boca to lose all of their remaining matches, Tacheres to win all of theirs... Godoy Cruz and San Lorenzo also not to win all of theirs because obviously Tacheres want to win the league um, and that would then force a playoff because that's how the title's still decided in Argentina everything San else Lorenzo we get goal only, difference San Lorenzo have only scored 29 goals in 24 games it says a lot doesn't it <laughs> yeah. and they're third in the table so they've got the third best defence in the league behind uh, Independiente and Boca um, but yeah I mean the lowest I think that's the lowest oh hang on Independiente have only scored 26 but then they're we mention every week how bad they are at finishing. And yeah, else, just incredible missing chances. Everybody else in the top 15, or I kind of scored the same number as San Lorenzo. I'm sure San Lorenzo fans will be very happy to hear that, that yeah. they, they share something with Huracan. Um, everybody else in, in the top 15 has outscored them. Oh, apart from Estudiantes, who've only scored 23. <laughs> Yeah, Estudiantes have been dreadful. Well. Estudiantes they have don't a goal have any forwards. Two, but they, they are, are playing uh, Otero, their white man as their target man, because yeah. the sub is Pavone, which Bernardi doesn't like. And they, the fans are really mad at Bernardi. They, I don't think I Bernardi... I can imagine. I saw, them, well, I saw the highlights of the game last night against Santos in the Libertadores, and I think they had one shot on goal, at least the, what the highlights showed. Really poor. I mean, the thing is, Santos really weren't that good either. No, I can imagine. But Estudiantes made... Two mistakes at the back and conceded two goals, yeah. and they couldn't. There was no way back because they just—they're not, you know, playing with any kind of direction at the moment, either in the league or in the Libertadores. Mm. Um, they lost two 0 away to Santos after losing one 0 at home to them at home in Quilmes Stadium. I think I'm right there. No, no, that was in La Plata as well. <laughs> La Plata. They, they need to stop. They need to open their own stadium, and then I won't be confused about it. Their fans agree with you, but nobody else but them agrees with them. Yeah, they hope they all stand in the stadium and just play there, and nobody likes them. Um, but at any rate, yeah, they're they're a nothing team at the moment, and yet they're still two points off a Copa Sudamericana qualification spot. And they're a nothing team, but they have good players or not competent players, mm-hmm. Primera División players, which gets you. A certain level of uh, average, and that's it. Teams below them, they either there are too many teams in this league, and the quality level has diluted. Yeah, there are. Um, At least we're getting rid of four dreadful teams. That's a good. Yeah, and there are only two coming up, yes. so there might only be 
six really crap teams next season, maybe. Yeah. We'll see. One of which might be decided, well, will be decided this weekend. In oh, Nacional B. do tell. It's the last round of the season, the regular season. Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, one team goes up, eight teams go into their reducido, which is the playoffs, which will be, if I'm not wrong in saying, second v ninth, third v eighth, and so on, and then... That's just a single game, I think, isn't it? It's not double-legged. Two-legged, sorry. Um, semi-finals Semi- and final probably yeah. will Semi-finals be and final are two-legged. And then oh, for uh, sure. quarter-finals will be seeded, so the top team will, will play at home, I'm guessing. And the front runners are Almagro of... Not Almagro now. They're in 3 de Febrero. Yeah, I don't know. You use uh, certain delimitations that I don't agree with. Uh, case in point, Paternal. Well, I know. I use the city government delimitations de- 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 yeah, 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 for the battle. But then I'm again, referring to Almagro. Almagro Stadium is not in Almagro anymore. River Stadium. Belgrano. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but most River fans say Nunez, and so you... Oh, yeah, I know they do, but they're wrong. You well, have can, to agree it's Nunez. We no, can say, I, I have no idea. I, I agree they're wrong, but... Uh, we can all agree at least that Amagra Stadium isn't in Amagra. No, <laughs> no, no, it's... 3 de Ferrero, yeah. It's Municipalidad de 3 de Ferrero, que es... Yes. Some, then, Some, somewhere out near Florencia Barreira, isn't it? No, no. Near Ciudadela, around that way. Ah, I've got that completely wrong. So they're top at the moment with 40 points. Second are San Martín de Tucumán whose stadium is in San Miguel de Tucumán, with 39 points. And third is Alocidi of Mar del Plata, who were in the top division last year. Yeah. Looking to go back up with 38 points. Yeah, they and lost. All three of those teams will be kicking off on Sunday to decide who gets the one automatic promotion spot. If Alonso wins, it's, they go up. Mm-hmm. Alocidi had the upper hand and lost to Riestra. Let's see who they're playing. Almagro are away to Guillermo Brown of that's Puerto Madrid, Puerto isn't it? Madrid. Yeah. Uh, there are so many clubs called Brown or San Martín de Tucumán are away to Adrogué Brown. Yes, as if to prove my point, Brown de Adrogué. And uh, who are the others? Aldo Silvia are at home to Estudiantes de San Luis. Mm. Uh, how are those teams doing? Brown de Adrogué fifth. So Brown de Madrid in. That's a tough one. Brother Mario is 16th, I think, 15th, middle of the table. Uh, and, uh, uh, 16th, yeah. yeah. And Estudiantes de San Luis are 19th. Um, so I would probably, I mean, based on that and, and the extensive amount of uh, Nacional B football that I have watched this season, I would say that that is advantage um, Aldo Civi, given that they're the only one who are at home and they're playing arguably the worst side. But of course, Alte Falmagro can match that result away but to also quite poor side then they will be up it'll be interesting to see Almagro in the top flight I think the last time they were up was what in 2002 or something like that wasn't it mm, yeah I think the I last think relegation was last season, against Boca in a match where Boca filled a B squad and they mm. were, the, the match didn't end and it was something like that oh well another yeah, funny story. story regarding this week's final Nacional de weekend it's more kind of Sad makes you want to shut your hand in a door, kind of funny. And it's about Deportivo Rietra, who are rock bottom of the Nacional Mm -hmm. Uh, Mainly because they had a points deduction for what happened at the end of last season in the B Metropolitana playoffs. Ten points knocked off or something, wasn't it? Where their fans ran onto the field with like in injury time in the game and basically got it abandoned. Then the two teams... 
Retra and Comunicaciones, I believe it was, came back to play two halves of, I believe it was, a minute and a half or something like that. Mm. Do you remember? Yeah. They did it behind closed doors and had two kickoffs, a change of change of half and everything. Comunicaciones lined up with a 1-1-8, no, a one one nine formation. It's the, the best thing I've ever seen, but also extremely sad. Obviously, they couldn't get the goal they needed back. Rester went up, but they were docked 20 points. Yeah, tragically, it's not the first time that happened in Argentina. And it's not the first time it has. It actually happens uh, with Comunicaciones fans in that same play. Yeah. Against Estudiantes de Buenos Aires, I believe. De Caceres. So, uh, they had 20 points deducted. They've also been rubbish this year. At some point, they appealed, and that... 20 points, I believe, went down to 12. 10. Sorry, 10. they've got 10 off now because I've just added yes. up their, yep. how many points they should have. But yeah. So they should be down, but we can't say they're down right now because they have another appeal. Yep. And they're looking to get the entirety of the points deduction rubbed off. If they get the entirety of the points deduction off and they win, they go up to 10th. Uh, I think they had a chance to get in the reducido. They, I don't think they. I think that might have been true before last weekend. No, they won it. They won, they won, they won it. They won it at But right now, if they have 10 points added to their current total, they'll be on 32 points. And Gimnasia de Jujuy have 33 in that no, place. Are, they are out. Um, it might be that this is wrong. I don't know. But no, no. It might. It should be um, right. But yeah, they would go to 10th on, on goal difference ahead of Agro, Agropecuario Argentino. And they also saved themselves from... Agropecuario Argentino is a team that was... In the Premier League. Made by a corporation, one of the few here, mm -hmm. uh, who backed it up from the Argentino C all the way to the National B. Yeah, they've done well. They've risen. Yeah, yeah. Um, they've got money. Indeed. Um, for the opposition. Back to the Superliga. Dan, you were. Uh, oh no, you weren't with us last week, were you? Of I was, it was uh, not. It was Peter. It was. It was another English person. You all look the same to me. Mm. Um, uh, we were discussing, uh, I mean, certainly we've discussed when you've been on in recent weeks as well, how, how ordinary uh, Vélez Southfield's results are, if not necessarily their performances, which have notably improved. Um, and a few days after this most recent rant about how they need to be a bit more impressive, uh, they thrash out uh, Tempoli 4-2 away from mm -hmm. home. Two goals from Leonardo, no, not Leonardo, he's not called that, is he? He's called uh, Lucas Robertoni. They might have been helped by half. two red cards for Temporary, right? Three red cards for Temporary, Three red cards. although one of them yeah. was with about 10 seconds end. left to play. Um, it still is easier but, to yeah. beat a team when they're, when they're nine men. It is. Down to nine men. Yeah, but... Um, they're pretty bitter. By all accounts, because I didn't really catch most mm -hmm. of it, uh, it was an entertaining match. Maro Sarate, I think, scored as well. Yeah. Yes, he did. And Matias Vargas, um, Sarate scored in the first half. Yeah, he's pretty much been Vélez's yeah. saviour this year. He's had a very... Very tired they shown, they've shown signs of improvement. Uh, yeah. They played a good half against San Lorenzo in the other match. Uh, they can't keep up the pace that Heinze wants mm. them to play at, so mm. they kind of burn themselves out. But uh, well, what, what I was saying last week was that if you look at the results in the second half of last year before Heinze turned up the first half of this season, they were losing a lot of matches by one goal. Uh, because they couldn't score enough goals, and now they're drawing a hell of a lot of matches. This this win at the weekend means that they've now won as many goal, uh, matches under Hainsey as they as they managed to win in the first half of last season. So he's not actually got them winning games yet, um, but he's got them. He's made them much harder to beat by virtue of the fact that they are scoring now at least. Um, and 
as I said last week, I think if he can sort the defence out over the winter transfer break, yeah, they if, because they're not exactly a club with a lot of economic strength at the moment, um, then maybe they could be a little bit more interesting to watch next Part season. of sorry now the defence would be actually defending because they just go out and run on offense and nobody's back. But also, that, I mean, they part of that has to be because, because they're crap. I mean, Cubero, as you say, is still in the team. Yeah, but he could be a somewhat average defender if they sit back a little. Yeah, well, he was only really average even at his best. Right now, uh, the state of Argentinian football, if you have I know, decent players, quality, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you can no, still I, I take stay. that point. But I, I think the other thing with Cubero is that his discipline isn't always the best. He's yeah, supposed he's to be not. one of the wise old heads in the squad, and yet he seems to get sent off about every third match, um, which obviously doesn't help them when you've got such a young team coming through and who are being told, look at this guy and do what he does. And you, right, OK, thanks. <laughs> maybe don't do that. Um, they have like, got some interesting pieces, and they try uh, to play a certain style that I think could work, but they, they need more, more time on their hands. Hmm. And they were still haunted, even though I really think they had no danger really of going down this year because for the relegation, but they, their fans primarily were spooked that they might. And yeah, that, as it that was, played they a certainly, they they saved certainly themselves helped in that respect by how bad everybody else was below them. Um, a draw-up yeah, versus San Lorenzo was the, the clinching point they needed to assure that they stayed in Primera. Yeah. Next year is going to be tough for Villas, right? Yeah. If the Promedios don't get rubbed off next year. I don't think they will. I do reckon they'll get another year still? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, would, I would think so because they had a fairly decent 2017. No, they'll it's, start... 2017-18, isn't it? I, I get confused by this table. They'll start yeah. level with San Juan and maybe Patronato and, Argent- mm. and Tigre down there with the two promoted teams. They are going to have 29 points knocked off, and they have a 24, a 37, and a 28-point season, and counting in that last case, uh, to go towards it. So it could be worse for them, but it could be better. I mean, they could be losing that 24-point season instead, for example. Um, But yeah, I mean, there are some teams who've got a load of points to come off. Tigre, for example, have got 46 points to come off from the 2015 season. Yeah, Tigre Um, is one of the teams that... And then their subsequent three are 20 points, 31 points, and 20 points. So Tigre... Are going to be really struggling next season. Just looking at that list, you've got to love Olimpo's insistent, inconsistent consistency. Well, 36, in, 13. But bear in mind that this one's a short championship uh, in the middle. So that, yeah. that, that first 13 yeah. point, this one, of course, is this season. 13 that, points yeah, this season. That one's bad. Um, as it stands, Billis would start next season as the one, two, three, four, five, fifth team from the bottom. Tigre okay. would be the first relegated. And we're expecting. I think I might be anticipating somebody's question later on here, but uh, what's expected, although not confirmed at the moment, is that next season, when we mention this in inverted commas, it is going to be a short championship ah, yeah. um, with probably three relegations and one promotion coming up from the Nacional B at the end of this year. Um, so fifth from bottom, if the teams coming up are as crap as the teams who came up this time last year, um, could be enough to... to be useful for them. Yeah, the thing is, they they they'll be tied with the fourth one, which is Gimnasia. They have yeah. exactly the same points. So it'll be just three up on the second to last, which is Patronato. Mm. I think they'll start. Yeah, they, they're starting sixty-five points as of now, and Patronato will have sixty-two. Yeah, 
Peter's there, the most matches. complicated one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Team, team Gray are going to be in deep trouble, as we say. Um, let's talk more about the weekend. Dan, Racing. I know, I know that you were at the game last week, uh, last week as well in the Libertadores, which was on what Thursday night. Yes, I so, got to Avellaneda for that game. I couldn't get to Rosario for for Sunday's game, unfortunately. But overall, you must be in a good good, good mood. It was a pretty good Six week for two matches. Yeah, it was a pretty good week for Racing. Uh, bounced back after two pretty disappointing defeats against River and Defensa Justicia. Uh, the game against Vasco was was tremendous, and um, yeah. it was a game where you won four 0 and you still kind of left the stadium a little bit disappointed. It wasn't even more more convincing because I think Racing, well, it definitely missed two penalties. Yeah, you were relieved for Lisandro when he scored the third one. Oh, it was a fantastic moment because as soon as that penalty was given, like all the fans just started chanting for Lisandro. I don't think he really wanted to take it, but he was just like. Come on. No, who I'm the captain. But he... Yeah. Once, he no, had, once he heard the fans going, he was like, right, I'm the captain. Fuck this. We're 3-0 we're up. No one's going to care if I miss. But if I score, I'm going to be the hero. So he grabbed it. And he did it well. Up until the first racing goal, the, the game was pretty little. Pasco had a couple of chances. They could have... Yeah, it was them. a strange one. Like, racing started a lot better. Had the penalty. Lisandro missed the first penalty. Then Vasco got into the game. And then... Uh, Rickinson Dorion came up with a beautiful shot, and from there it was it was all racing. That goal took the took the stuffing out of, of Vasco. So, Speaking yeah. of players, who are making a case for being in Argentina. Indeed, well. yeah, yeah. I was going to say, is is there a risk? I mean, oh, of course, there's a risk. The the way that he's going, oh, I'm not talking about a risk that he could make it or not make it. I'm I'm saying that the way that he's he's going off the pitch at times this year, there could be a risk of nuclear war if he were to go to Russia. Well, yeah, that's what I meant. So. Yeah, I think he would tone it down if he was named to the squad. I would hope so. Yeah, uh, I'm yeah, not sure yeah. how much faith I would have in that. But. I have a faith. To be fair, I didn't hear about him. He's probably been any here. Yeah, he's probably been never got in any trouble in yeah. Italy, as far as I know, or Brazil. Nobody knows. He did. If yeah, he did, no one else, and that's the case. The thing <laughs> is, thing with him is, if he gets in trouble, he gets caught. Uh, yeah, many people, not many players getting caught in trouble, and I think go by. Oh, he gets in trouble and he makes it known that he's that's in trouble. True. That's but true. I think he has no time really. He should have picked a couple months earlier <laughs> and got called up the last time. But uh, yeah, he deserves yeah, a spot. I agree. At, at the weekend. In the Chacho Cordette Classical. He sat out because he was rested along with a lot of Russian players. It was about two-thirds subs and reserves, including the great Ivan Pichu playing left-back, which is fine. You got on later? Yeah. I'm sorry, but I've got Centurion in the starting line. Yeah, yeah, he played. Um, I'm getting confused with Lisandro and Lautaro. Yes, La- Lautaro came off the bench to score the second goal. Yes. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it looks... You've got Leonardo Sigali... Uh, Nelly at a push start, Saraccio. Nelly started a couple of times. The, the others yeah. are all sort of squad players rather than starting Indeed. 11. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nelly yeah. yeah. uh, River, uh, the River at the weekend, Franco Armani was the only regular starter um, against Arsenal, but, but Racing went for a, a different sort of a mix. Um, yeah, a mix. And Caldet said after the game that uh, he, he couldn't call himself happy because he, he never wants to beat Central. No, he, and he got, cracking, he got a cracking reception again. there. A really, really nice reception. Uh, I like that uh, from the they started Mancisha as a forward, which had... Oh, he scored a great goal as well. Although if he didn't score it, he would have been absolutely roasted because but, it was the most selfish piece of play I've ever absolutely. seen. Absolutely. Uh, both 
Claro. His goal and Lautaro. Yeah. Lautaro also should have passed to Mancilla, but I think he took it back for the Mancilla. Oh, totally, yeah. to him and just, it was revenge. This is my play. And, revenge. And, and so you me, right? And Mancilla had, had just some chances at, at Racing's yeah. first team, mostly as a midfielder. And he went yeah, down. Out on the what? Out went down to the reserves and sub, yeah. got again playing forward. And yeah. Now this was like, I, really like him. I think in total is something about like his 25th appearance for Racing. And it's the, the first time he's ever played 90 minutes for Racing. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. Racing has a crook. How old is he? Uh, no, he's not old. 21? 20, 21? Oh, okay, one, right. One year older than Lautaro. Oh, so it's, it's a he was, uh, possible... There were teammates in the under-20 squad where Lautaro mm-hmm. popped. Yeah, that's... That, that's but the thing that's is, true. he plays with Lautaro and he played alongside Lautaro and they... So they... Rem- Made him play as a midfielder, and now he's getting his chances for mm. at least in the reserve team. Yeah, I remember seeing Lautaro and Brian Mancilla in 2015. I went down to Racing's Academy on a Friday morning and saw the reserves beat Lanús's reserves 4 0. Two goals from Mancilla, who at that time was the guy people had already started to talk yeah, about because he was a little bit older, and two goals from Lautaro. I actually watched a game uh, standing next to Gaston Campi, which was pretty fun. Now for Estudiantes, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and you could see, like, the two were great talents, but it's just so hard at youth level, you like. There was nothing in those performances to say that um, Martinez would be, two and a half years later, an uh, undisputed first-team player, I a captain, no on the very year later. the Argentina team, while Mancilla would still be fighting to be a fringe player. So no, no, because The two looked great, but there was nothing to choose between them at that level. He literally exploded his... No yeah. one saw it coming even a year ago when he was playing for the under 20 team. He says, okay, it's a nice prospect, but <laughs> nobody could have predicted what happened. Saracha is playing great football. So is having yeah. a good run as well. He's a very exciting player. Yes. And he's, yeah, he's another guy who's getting a bit more confidence. Scored a very nice goal against Vasco. And he, he did pretty well against Central as well. Didn't shine particularly, but he held his own. And yeah, I think there's a stat that the last eight goals for Racing have been scored by graduates of their youth team. Which is... Oh, wow. A pretty, yeah, a pretty decent run. So that's between Centurion... Oh, including Lisandro Lopez, of course. Including yeah. Centurion and Lisandro Lopez. The uh, thing Marcisha, is... Lautaro Martinez and Serracho. Huh. They have produced many talents, but they also have cashed them, have sold them absolutely fast. Yes. In any case, Lautaro is the exemplary case. Indeed, yeah, uh, yeah. Which explains why they're so desperate to, to get yeah. top dollar for him. Um, Racing are in action away to Vasco. Yeah, no? tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow evening, 9.30pm. Um, so you won't be hearing the full-time score of that one at the end of this episode because it'll be happening... Well, you might well have listened to this podcast before that actually even kicks off, so that's why. Um, the other Big Five member who we haven't talked about... Uh, we haven't really talked about Independiente, but they were just quite disappointing in between two continental ties and I didn't catch very much of the match. I didn't s- no, I oh, they good. had the ball... Defensive Justicia basically handed them the ball and said... Okay, do something and Independiente yeah. couldn't do anything. They, that, was the, that was the impression I got from the highlights that I saw. After. I did call and said after the game we literally didn't had a shot on goal. Mm. So it's very difficult to win that way. Indeed. Um, and Martin Campaña, who was up to a couple of weeks ago, some, maybe the best keeper in the, in the league next to him. For the Argentina team, by some of our listeners. Indeed. Yes, yes, he was. Erroneously. But, um, I had another 
Blender and was responsible for sole goal in the game. Yeah. Um, one goalkeeper who did not have a blunder, and who actually might get into the Argentina team, at least he's the right nationality, is Franco Armani, who, as I said, was the only River Plate starter um, who turned out against Arsenal de Sarandi on Sunday. They got a very routine 3-0 win. We're not going to waste too much time talking about it because it's basically what you would expect of um, one of the big five coming up against Arsenal, particularly. Yeah, but it was this particularly Arsenal. easy. Um, it they scored all three goals way. in the first half, and then they just spent the second half sort of like the, the school bully holding yeah. his hand on it the seemed forehead that, of the little kid. It seemed like one of those La Liga games you catch on the Sunday morning where Real Madrid are three up by 15. But the, the pleasant thing was, because undoubtedly River's form has improved since the Supercoppa win, um, but they haven't exactly been the most pleasant to watch. And in the first half, I thought they were the, the reserves were far better to watch. Okay, it was only against Arsenal, but they were much, much better to watch than the first team I've been in most of those matches. It's possible. I, I, I sort of thought if, if this had been the first team, even against Arsenal, I think they'd probably be 1-0 up and just barely struggling to justify that 1-0 lead. Uh, Fernando Quintero played, of course, and played superbly and scored, I think, his first goal since signing for Rivers. It was his first goal, yeah. Uh, it was Rivers' third of the evening. This was after Ezequiel Palacios had opened the scoring and a former Racing... Uh, youth graduate as well, no? No, he Who, uh, came to Racing from Belgrano. Ah, did he? Yeah. Oh, of course he did, yes, of course. Claudio Corbalan ah, um, scored an own goal no. to make it 2 0. Yeah, it was given to Corbalan. It was definitely a Corbalan. And Corbalan, then it's. Uh, if it's Corbalan, well, then. Lolo got a slight brush on it and then Corbalan fully booted it into the net. Wow. Well, not booted, it was off his knee. But Corbalan started at Racing then, yeah. I was no, thinking of Corbalan was uh, awful. No, Corbalan came from Quilmes or someone like that. Uh, yeah. he, did, he wasn't a youth player and he was dreadful, absolutely dreadful. Everyone, he became the byword for mediocrity in, in the cylinder. Never seen yeah, a player seen a little that was when so insulted. Yeah. That was when Racing weren't that, I mean, they weren't as good as they are now, if I remember right. It, was, it wasn't part of the title winning team, was it? No, no, this no. Was he was part of that team which was divided between really good youth players like Vieto, De Paul, Centurion, Zuccolini, all those guys, and the other half were just pretty crap German players yeah. from across the league. And Cameronis, which was kind of fun. He played yeah, that's the thing with three Ray. decent halves. Mm. A really good half. Speaking of the Rathing youth, play, youth players, they haven't been able to capitalize on them much. They got a title out of them, but uh, I think they, with the quality that they had, they should have produced something else. I uh, say so they haven't capitalized on them, but they've basically cleared the club, the club of debt, where they yeah. had hundreds of millions of pesos of debt. They, but then they put that money on people that. The money went know. more in like the facilities, the stadiums, unrecognisable from when I start, first started yeah, going yeah. to games. It's 10 times or 20 times uh, better. It had a bad training market. Facilities uh, are better, the youth yeah. facilities are better. Like, so I don't think it's been wasted. Like, no, if you're looking not. at the long term future of the club, like, they've probably done. They're taking a more sensible approach than just chucking twenty million dollars on players and in the hope that the next last the market was very lousy for us in the when they brought in Melly and that Colombian guy who came. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, been fortune for us, yeah. many, many more who are just turning away. This, this one's been good. This last round has been very good. It has. Um, I think that that's all we need to talk about for the moment. So I'm going to uh, click the stop button, and we're going to maybe I don't know done. We're drinking mate today, not Fernet, so perhaps that can reheat the water or something. And when we come back, 
Um, when we come back, we'll handle your listeners' questions, so don't go away. A question last week on email. Uh, I wonder whether I can find it now. Actually, scrolling down on my phone. Let me see. Yes, Jimmy Lee uh, last week said. Oh no, hang on. This was two days ago. This is this was the first email question. I have another one as well um, from longer ago, which I'll try to scroll back for. Um, so the one that he asked most recently was via email. You can email me if you want to ask questions, and you can't be asked to tweet or don't have Twitter. Hey Sam, I've got a question for you this week. Obviously. It's too early to start speculating too much about the relegation battle next season, which we were just doing half an hour ago. (laughs) Um, But I know Belgrano will be part of it. Jimmy, of course, is a Belgrano fan. He will. So what do we know about the rules? How many teams will be going down? Has any of that been decided? If they do a transitional season, will there be relegation? And I know they're getting rid of the promedios in a couple of years. Are they going to start only calculating promedios off the two most recent seasons instead of three? I remember reading something about that happening. What can you tell me? The answer to which is, he has actually followed up and said, I may have answered my own questions. It looks like next season we'll get down to just the last two seasons and not three. Um, anything that you read on that ter- on those terms, particularly in terms of cutting the promedios, is very much unconfirmed still. We have heard more encouraging noises about doing away with them from uh, Claudio Tapia than we heard, heard from any previous APA president. And it seems like it is going to happen, but there's still nothing confirmed. It would not surprise me at all if next season begins and there are still three seasons of Promedio and then they just do away with it all in one go at the end of a pre-agreed season. It won't be this year. Um, It looks highly probable that next season, as I mentioned earlier, is going to be a transitional season. And if that happens, it will probably be the noises that we've heard, the rumours that you hear coming out of the AFA seem to be that it will be three teams going down and one team coming up from the Nacional Bay because you can't really have the, especially you can't have the Nacional Bay doing a whole transitional championship with no reward at the end of it. So somebody has to come up. Um, And then we'll be back to calendar year championships for next season. Um, But yeah, in terms of how they're going to stagger those sort of taking off a championship or two or whatever, it's a bit confusing. Because at the moment it's on three and a half years because of the way the season's all worked out. Yeah. It's basically a mystery. Mm. And anything can happen, literally. Yes. They could have a long season, a short season. A short season with two zones like they had another sometime. I think that that's probably the most likely. Because I can't work out how else they're going to get. It'll be a 26-team championship, won't it? And they'll have to cram it in between August and December. The two groups, I'm guessing. So Exactly, yeah. So I mean, They I, could, I but uh, they, they won't. They could, but they won't. That's the mm. thing. Everybody will be. Yeah. <laughs> There'll be too many games and the teams who are doing well in the Libertadores. It's too manoeuvring with the, the yeah, Continental Cups and such and the Copa Argentina and the blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Oh, there was another question somewhere and I've lost it in my... I'm scrolling down my phone. This was two weeks ago, wasn't it? Ah, hello. Yes, I found it. Eric Milner. Sorry for missing this last week uh, and indeed the week before, Eric. <laughs> um, he says, Hi, Sam. I've been a happy listener of Hand of Pop for a couple of years. A week or two ago, you referenced the crap state of 90 minutos de football 
and Argentine soccer discussion shows generally, a sentiment I've roughly shared based on the little that I have watched, excluding Ruggieri's anecdotes, the man is a national treasure. My question is this, do you have any suggestions for Argentine TV or radio shows for soccer? In a similar vein, are there any worthwhile Spanish language podcasts on Argentine football that you would recommend? I'd say the one programme, which is not really a programme, it's a segment on a programme, uh, which is definitely worth a watch if you understand Spanish, and even if you don't really, is uh, Paso al Bas, which is really a good production. Shows I'm you I, work I, I can I tell that Julian's going to be happy with that recommendation. Uh, to be fair, I couldn't even remember where you were. I'm biased. I work for the two shows that I think are the two best ones, mm. which, which are which Paso al Bas on the weekends, which has Paso Paso go out on Libero. Yeah, Libero is the one we do on the weekdays, which gotcha. goes, basically we cover yeah. the, the same as in Paso Paso, but uh, during the weekend, yeah, I recommend them, but uh, yeah, Paso Paso, I, I think sure. I, I don't tend to watch it now, because as soon as the live football finishes, I tend to, my girlfriend and I watch a film together or something, because she doesn't like football, uh, but when I do yeah. get a chance to catch it, it, it's a good, particularly for catching up with the matches that you didn't have time to, to watch, it's, it's the sort of match of the day substitute for, for our British uh, listeners yeah um, it's a very different feel for a match of the day but it, it's a similar kind of uh, in terms of getting good highlights Spanish language podcasts though uh, I don't know any no I don't follow there's, any there's really. Código de Barras which is about the Barra Bravas um I don't know, football shows on radio you can but, catch a, a yeah, million and a half exactly. about a, for the rest of it uh, you're, you're after radio stuff yeah. because podcasts in Argentina are, are still not very widely adopted. Um, no, your best bet is trying to find the radio shows which you enjoy and then looking at a website called uh, Radio Cut, which has a lot of the segments. Which Can you remember the address of that one, though? Uh, you, you'd have to look up for the, um, for the links on the Twitter page of each individual radio show. Yeah, Radio Cut. Most of them so, tend to... Accumulates every radio yeah. broadcast, can you... Can sort of like SoundCloud. Cloud for radio but, uh, as a recommendation, I would say Radio Continental has Mariano Close and his team, mm-hmm. which I on the on the subject I think. Are the, also, the then on Friday evenings, free journalists, uh, two of which I know personally, one of which I know via mails, and which the three which I respect hugely. I think they're three of the best journalists in the business era: Alejandro Wall, Andre Burgo, and Ezequiel Fernandez Mures. Mm. Do a show called Era por Abajo on Friday evenings. Ah, yeah. And, um, Which is a little bit different, though. And it's worth a listen. Yeah, Ezequiel is somebody who I've, I've invited a couple of times to join us on Hand of Pop, but he's not so comfortable with his spoken English. So he yeah, I've asked Andres and Alejandro in the past as well, and they've Aye. given me a similar reply. Mm. As a recommendation, you can have also um, Gonzalo Bonadeo has a show every day with uh, Ezequiel Fernandez Murs and uh, Ariel Scher uh-huh. and Guido Berkovich from Taste Sports which is called uh, I don't know how it's called but it goes on uh, AM750 which is a uh, good radio that's a good show that's, yeah that's, basically in Argentina uh, there's so much 750 yeah. yeah. no Spanish uh, yeah. numbers just yet sorry Dan like, basically in Argentina there's so much football content that even though a lot of it is yeah, that's, sensationalist think, and crap, there's just through sheer volume and yeah. 
and weight and numbers. That's there the thing, is, though, so unfortunately, it's one reason that I can't really contribute much to this because I'm far too lazy to sift through all of the, the shit stuff. So, so I just <laughs> end up, and, and I'm not a massive, ironically, yeah, produce one. I'm not really a massive. Most of them are shit stuff, and they radios. don't care about the, the actual yeah. games played. Right? Precisely. Um, but anyway, sorry, uh, as I said already, Eric, for missing your question for the previous two weeks, but um, I'm glad to have been able to answer it now. And now we'll get to the Twitter questions. Jamie says, um, oh, he's tweeting um, a, a recommendation to people to listen to us and, and support us on Patreon. Thanks very much for that, Jamie. Um, Paul Richardson says, question for this week, could Messi play centre midfield for Argentina? Um, he could. Allow the team to keep two up front, for example, Aguero if he's fit and Higuain. To be honest, Messi is arguably the world's best passer. So, well, essentially, he usually does end up playing some of the film for Argentina. That's completely involuntary. Yeah, that's been one of the biggest problems. There. They don't intend Messi to play central midfield, but he, he ends, up ends up playing central midfield. Aguero and Diwain together up front, I can't see working in 2018. Maybe four years ago, if both of them were fit. In I the think World they Cup, will trade. They might so want to try it, but I just can't see them gelling together. As not really, no. I think Iwane has lost much of the, the race for the starting job, but I think he, if a month ago, month and a half ago, before the friendlies against uh, Spain and Italy, to be honest, uh, he might have gone with them, both of them forward yeah, and Messi. Yeah, had not been injured for those. Yeah, yeah. and Iwane hadn't such a poor showing. Yeah. Really, so. To be honest, in that kind of system that Paul's proposing, I'd rather see Messi playing behind Aguero and Dybala, which I think is a, is a more logical kind of yeah. setup to. I'm afraid Dybala's going to be the one left out of the. It squad. looks that way, yeah, and he's not doing a whole lot in Juventus at the moment to, to suggest that it would be the wrong call either. No, we'll have to wait and see what happens. I think long term, uh, it's inevitable that Messi is going to start dropping back. You know, as a starting position, um, further back the pitch as as the years begin to catch up with him, because of course he's going to turn thirty one in June or July's birthday um, during the World Cup, anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, for this World Cup, we'll have to see. Ho- hopefully, hopefully he's surrounded not. by enough people that he can at least perform properly. Um, Jamie is back with a question for the benefit of those guys, uh, of those of us who have not been following Argentine domestic football as long as you guys. Can you explain how or whether the lack of away fans has impacted the league and talk about the history of why away fans have been mostly banned? Ooh. It all started in 2013. Um, well, it didn't all start then, obviously. It, <laughs> oh, just, it, started, it started in 1916, when the first, or 1904 or something, when the first Argentina-Uruguay international was played and somebody was killed in the streets of Montevideo after it. And the modern era um, started in uh, 2004. Hmm. I think that's the first game, that first high-profile game, Boca River, Libertadores and final where they just banned the away fans. Hmm. And then shortly after that, I believe it was 2006, that the lower league fans had away prohibitions? I don't know. It was before we moved here, wasn't it? Yeah, you I think it was 2006. Six months before me, so you would have been in 2009. Yes. Yeah. It was I... So the impact it has on the playing of the game? Very hard to say. Very, very hard to say. I think it has had an impact, for sure, on the, on the officiating. Uh, every mm. single touch by the wayside nowadays is called as if it were a murder, and it has to affect the referee. Yeah. 
And it, it's, had, it's had an effect uh, for the worse on the atmosphere as well. I mean, obviously, yeah, sure. it makes things a little bit more secure, a bit, not necessarily that much, because as we've said before, a lot of the um, the real troublemakers are not fans fighting fans of the opposite club. They're Barra Bravas fighting among themselves. And the police. Um, the yeah. big and problem police, in Argentina yeah, football is the police and the yeah. operativos policiales, which are the most absurd thing in the world it's it, it's made uh, matches notably less mm. sort of entertaining to, to go to for the atmosphere that's not to say that they're quiet or, or dull if you're coming from you know northern Europe or whatever obviously but um, it's not as good as it was when we first there came there will be a way for and conversely that, conversely it's had a positive effect on the bank balances of Barras because now they yeah. don't have to organise away trips so they make a pure profit because mm. I've been told by former Racing Barras that the away trips will always run at either a loss or breaking even for the balance. Yeah, they had to... Home trips are just pure profit. Had to find funds and it was a... Had to get the buses, had to get people Yeah, up. they were in danger. They, they were in danger. The balance yeah. were more in danger than travelling away fans. No way was going to target me as an away fan travelling mm-hmm. to, I don't know, Cologne, but maybe yeah. they'll target the Barras bus. So. Yeah. Uh, the, the spark, anyway, that, that caused this permanent ban that we now have in the top flight um, was Lanús visiting Estudiantes at the Ciudad Unica, um, the Estadio Unico, sorry, um, or Estadio Ciudad de la Plata, um, and uh, a, a confrontation between, the version of the story I always remember is it was a confrontation between Barras and police because some of the Barras turned up late along with a large group of normal fans. And one of the fans stood between the two groups trying to calm things down and a policeman shot him at point-blank range mm. with a rubber bullet. And um, for some reason, the person who ends up being banned from this situation is the away fan and not the police. In my opinion, if you ban all police from football matches, then police aren't going to shoot anybody with rubber bullets. But uh, no, it's safer to ban away fans because then they can't get in Nowadays, police, police may shoot. But I believe, if I remember correctly... Nowadays in Argentina, you might be shot by a policeman with mm, not a rubber possible. bullet. Yeah. <laughs> but I believe, so in, I believe in this case, if I remember rightly, the straw that broke the camel's back wasn't that game that brought in a temporary ban for the rest of the season the game that provoked the full ban was a friendly between Boca and San Lorenzo in Bajo Flores oh you're quite yeah. right if yeah. I remember rightly and when there, there was, was a very well televised uh, shootout involved but since then we've had we've had many games with away fans they've kind of scrapped back in Capital in Buenos Aires so I think no it's been not more. really in Mendoza uh, when Racing played Defensa Justicia, actually we had away fans every day, every day for the last couple of months being international fans. Yeah, yeah. Racing had Baco hosted Baco with away fans, Boca hosted Junior. Every Copa Argentina game has sets of fans from both clubs. Nobody's away. But everybody's away there. But they're all, you know, so it's possible to do. Well, they played at Boca River at Mendoza with away fans. Yeah. And no one died, as far as I know. No, no. No, it's, it was it's a ridiculous I went, situation. And it was Fine. well organized. Ah. The question is organization, basically. If they organize it properly and the question is the police. Money at that's the thing, and it's a political decision. Exactly. And it, it's, it's basically it's, nobody wants to be responsible no. for their uh, district having uh, a fight. Uh, no, and the clubs don't want to be responsible either. We always hear this stuff about how, oh, the politicians are thinking about letting the clubs bring away fans back after the next elections. <laughs> Because if you do yeah. it before the next election and something goes wrong, then the next elections could go disastrously. But there's always an election just around the corner, and so it yeah. never happens that way either. 
Um, Carl Carpenter asks, what the hell is San Paoli going to do with the defence this summer? Ah, I think the same thing as Alejandro Sabella did four years ago. Just close his eyes and pray every time the opposition attack. I have a pretty basic idea of what he's going to try at least, which will be uh, back four. I think he's ditched the back three Mm -hmm. for good. I think the first game will be Mercado Facio también de Antalya Fico. You think so, yeah? Yeah. And Garay? No. Garay has no chance. No, you don't think? No. No, he's not. I think they they asked him and he's non-committal and he just... But he, he came out quite clearly a few weeks ago and said these reports in Argentina yeah, that I he said, said I was retiring no, internationally. No. Yeah, which I mentioned myself on, on the podcast a few times. Actually, he, yeah, bollocks, but, he's, um, he gave an interview and someone asked him about the national team and said, I never retire. Yeah. I just, but while he was... Uh, when Martino was coach, he had a, an episode where his wife couldn't get pregnant so they... Yeah. They rented a mother, a surrogate mother, and he said he didn't want to be called up because he wanted to be present when oh, I remember that, yeah. and just like veganism, I think that's what <laughs> made him across. <laughs> Apparently, being a and vegan and responsible for it's not. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah. yeah, I don't think it's Rojo may be the one that crashed the party, but I don't see him playing starting. Mm. I think Facio has earned the, earned the spot. Even though had a poor showing against Liverpool yesterday, but uh, as, as did Otamendi as the weeks previously. Yeah, but, uh, but fortunately, Argentina aren't in Mohamed Salah's group. Yeah, this is true. Luckily, I think Russia has to be at least concerned about Salah. He, I would think they will be. Yeah, sensible. Um, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing any of these vowels, but Oscar Per Mulder, he's got some umlauts over his um over the vowels of his names, uh, says, which of these is Tano Angelisi? And he has tweeted us a picture of Swiss Tony um, on the right. Tony. I think that Swiss Tony was a fast uh, joke. Thank you. Yeah. Swiss, <laughs> Tony was, Swiss Tony was a Tony. character on a British sketch show of the 1990s. Yes, yeah, nice. getting them mixed up. Um, he's tweeted us a picture of Fat Tony on the right and Daniel Angelisi there on the left. Um, it doesn't really work, as I've said before on, on podcasts, but uh, thank you for the question, Oscar. Uh, La Liga Gav says, Lautaro Martinez. There is a question coming, don't worry. Inter may not have any money if they don't, hopefully, make the Champions League. Where else is he linked to, and where would you like to see him progress? And yes, I hate Inter with a passion. He's been linked to Borussia Dortmund, but... Uh, I think yeah, he's moving to Inter. Either... If Inter has or has no money besides the point, I think... The other thing is, if, if Inter don't make the Champions League, then there's a fairly good chance that Icardi is off yeah. and that's where the money's coming from. I don't know. Even, even if they money. don't have any money, Racing had no leverage for not selling Lautaro Martinez. Actually, Lautaro agreed to to our contract renewal because he was being sold and that's it. Yeah. Uh, so, he's sold, literally. Sadly, sadly. Um, Wayward from Hayward says the FIFA World Cup had a bracket style best World Cup goal ever contest recently and arrived rather imperfectly at Mexico's Ah, Manuel Negrete Mexico 86 stunner what memorable World Cup goals might you offer up I mean Argentina have had a few yeah there there Uh, are one or two I can think of it's got to be Maradona Second I think it's, uh, it was, there was an outrage because Maradona didn't win and he wasn't even... Probably in the, there's a lot of Mexican people writing, I'm guessing. Yeah. That's why but they, that it was just on the aftermath of Cristiano Ronaldo's bicycle kick against Juventus. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, that Negrete goal is... Uh, it's not a bad one. I mean, 
That's you know, great goal. I like it's it. It's not that controversial a choice. It's just but there are two goals that everybody always goes, oh, these are the two greatest goals in World Cup history. I always end up with this, this argument when I'm great. talking with someone who's not Argentinian. I think there's a really uh, different qualities for goals. or diff- yeah. We no, value goals differently. Goal. Yeah, and and long-range goals here are... What goals there are. You know, what yeah. do, what does Pedestrian make? goals. Nobody's going to... Yeah. I mean, my, my favourite is Argentina is Cambiasso against Serbia and Montenegro. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That, that 375 pass move or whatever it was. Um, if we had to say a goal against but, Argentina, Bergkamp's. Yeah, that's to be. I really like goal on the Bergkamp goal. That was a stunt. Yes, also. Um, and then, any more questions after that? Tariq Al Haider. Uh, welcome back to the questions, Tariq. I hope you're feeling better. Um, says, will 25 days be enough for Sampaoli to find any sort of cohesion? That's how long he's going to have the squad for. I don't it's think It's going to be tough. He'll probably need the group games as well. I mean, on top of that. The only thing I'll say is I can remember saying some quite similar things four years ago. Mm. But Argentina under Sabella didn't lose 6 1 to anybody. Um, so They also weren't stupid enough to play Spain three months before no, the World Cup. Man, it's so mediocre. How, you know, I don't, don't play Spain. So it's a friendly. You lose six one. That's the point of a friendly. Well, you lose six one. You lose six one. But I think they'll they'll do fine once Messi is on the pitch. Yeah, anything can happen. They're gonna have the group stage, I guess, to try and work out a few kinks. They can afford to draw a game or or even lose a game, possibly. Well, we hope they can because Nigeria. Beat them in a friendly fairly recently as well. Um, yeah. So a repeat performance of that wouldn't be great. Yeah, I think they'll get out of their group. they get out of and their then group and... Anything can happen. Um, it all depends on Messi's health. If he's... Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. As some... There's some versions, rumours going up that he's not really fit. That's why he's not starting every game for Barcelona. If that's the case, Argentina's in trouble. <laughs> I think if you watched his performances and, and the time he's been playing and stuff, that, that was... I think there's there's probably something in that, but by all accounts, uh, he was very good in the Copa del Rey final at the weekend. Yeah, so that that seems to be a, the the beginning of a return. But to he doesn't seem to be able to produce uh, constantly as he did. And Argentina needs him to play every game, every minute, every second. Uh, plus, uh, Fawer is hurt, and Biglia, was going to start. Yeah, he's not. Could be a way back into the squad for Matthias Kranevitter, apparently, who obviously yeah. played under San Paoli at Sevilla, um, and we here has been doing acceptably in Zenit St. Petersburg. Not yeah. that we get to the see thing is, with, just, with, with each passing day, there's a new guy that San Paoli is looking at. Yeah. And, yeah. Basically, everyone is under San Paoli's radar and is watching every single game, every single player, every single match. <laughs> Precisely. I don't know how he manages to do this from Argentina, given... The internet connections that we have there. Well, I'm assuming his internet connections. No, he's traveling. Also, he's still. in Europe and such. Indeed, um, that's it for questions. And nobody, remarkably, has volunteered for um, a predict-off against me. So I'll be reading out my own predictions all on my own in a few minutes after this mystical theme music. We begin on Friday evening with Chacarita Juniors versus Tempele. What a fixture. Um, I'm going for a draw in that one. 
We then have Godoy Cruz versus San Martín de San Juan, the Clásico de Cucho. I'm going to go for a Godoy Cruz victory there. Belle Sarsfield versus Banfield um, on Saturday lunchtime. I'm I'm going to plump for a Belles win, I think. Uh, Defensa Justicia against Rosario Central at the same time, I think, is going to be a draw. Um, Newell's Old Boys against Independiente. Newell's don't, uh, Independiente don't have any midweek fixtures this yes. weekend, do they? Next. Right. I now. think the rest of them next play next week. And Newell's won't have in the Sudamericana. No, they're playing the me. Um, oh no, they got they got through. That's right, but they don't play for another month or so. Um, so I'm gonna go for. But the Newells aren't very good. Oh, this is so difficult. Um, I'm gonna go for an Independiente win. Anyway, um, Lanús against Argentinos Juniors. I'm going for an Argentinos win there. Huracan, I think, will beat Atlético Tucumán in Parque Patricios. I'm going for Boca to beat Gimnasia in La Plata, which would virtually assure them the title. Patronato against San Lorenzo, I think is good grief. I'm going to go for a draw um, in that one. Belgrano against Colón. That's an interesting one. I'll go for a Colón victory. Racing versus Arsenal de Sarandí. There's only one way that that's going to go, and it's a home win. Union versus Tacheres de Córdoba. I think it's going to be a Tacheres win. Olimpo versus Tigre will be... That's another one to not really bother watching, isn't it? Bloody hell. Um, but I'll go for a Tigre winning that one. And River against Estudiantes on Monday night. Why is that? Oh, no. because River are yeah, playing now, aren't they? I don't know if they're playing on Monday. They won't play on Monday night. That game's been postponed. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you're quite right. That's, that's on Thursday, yeah. the 10th of May. So yeah, I don't yeah. need to predict it. Okay. Fantastic. Um, so, yes, I'm not going to predict River Estudiantes just yet because it's not being played yet. I didn't realise River had the weekend off. What's that? Uh, Estudiante has a Copa Libertadores fixture and it was too close to the... So they played yesterday? Yeah, that's it. They played yesterday and... and presumably they played Tuesday next week think, or something, right? Yeah, something um, like that, yeah. So those are the predictions. If all of that comes is, is correct, we would be ending up with Boca still six points clear with six points to play for. So the best that Godoy Cruz would be able to hope for um, would be a title playoff. Um so from a neutral point of view and obviously from a non-Boca fan's point of view let's hope that at least two of my predictions or at least one of my predictions sorry that um, was wrong um, from Julian's point of view I'm, I'm sure yeah. he'll be hoping that I was correct on all counts um, for now if you're going to be watching the football this weekend enjoy if you haven't yet um, become a supporter on Patreon please as I said earlier consider visiting us patreon.com slash handofpod and um, consider becoming one if you want to hold off for a little while to see what the um, rewards are going to be and, and the price for the, the next tier up then you can if you like the look of the sponsorship um, reward tier that's $100 a month then you know feel free to splash out on that and then get in touch with me to um, uh, to let me know what you'd like to sponsor it if you're an arms dealer or a drug trafficker or something then I res- reserve the right to reject um, your kind offer uh, but as long as you're a nice person um, I will greatly take some money off you and thank you very much indeed again to those of you who have already done this and to those who have uh, shared with friends and with family and encouraged others to sign up as well um, for now it is goodbye from Dan goodbye and thanks for listening goodbye from Julian 
Goodbye, thanks for having me. Who, adding a veneer of professionalism to the podcast, is now uh, going to be dashing off to the Bombonera to cover Boca's Copa Libertadores game uh, for TIC. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. They only got mentioned in passing on the podcast earlier, but there are two Libertadores matches this evening. They finished Atletico Tucumán 3, the strongest nil, which is a very good win for Atletico to go along with their very impressive um, 2-1 away win over the strongest last week. And Boca Juniors nil, Palmeiras 2, which means that if Atletico Junior beats... um, Alianza Lima in Barranquilla on Thursday evening. Uh, Boca will go down to third in Group 8 of the Copa with two games to go and their own away match against Junior, which I think is in a week or two, uh, will become potentially crucial for their chances of advancing to the knockout stage.